Next up on Talk Zone is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Are you concerned about your job? Concerned about losing it? Concerned about not having the tools needed to reinvent your career or to reposition yourself in the workplace? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, or even if you just want to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, then join the conversation right now on Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Now, here are your hosts, Charlie and Eva. Hey, welcome everyone. Another Monday, another fun day. I'm here. Fun day at sea. Fun day at sea. Um, Welcome to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Our mission is to make a difference in the workplace, our lives, in the world, even as one person. Um, I'm trying. How are you doing, Eva? I am very well, thank you. That sounded very There is very, no try. Uh, there is only do or do not, per the Yoda. <clears throat> yeah, it's hard. It's hard these days. Um, we have a really interesting guest coming up um, in a few minutes. Um, I wanted to... Clarify some stuff, if that's okay, quickly from last week. We had a really good show last week. Um, it was just us last week, so we're just, bragging. We're we were braggers. talking about leadership yes, in we the were. workplace. Yes, we were. Or lack thereof. Mm. We talked about leadership. We talked about maybe some of the guys that we see in the news today as leaders. We talked about Rudy um, Giuliani, yes. and we talked about... Jack Welch, we talked about Mr. Wells Fargo, CEO, we talked about Citigroup, and you know, I... I, um, I yeah, and we haven't been hearing anything more about that too, which is even doubly annoying. The Wells Fargo thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I refer to some of these guys as AMF heads. I know, Charles. And it's your queen's upbringing. People have been asking what that is. So I just want to just clarify that briefly. Okay. So, um, an AMF head, okay. is sort of like a, an AMF is a bowling ball from the old days, from the old days. (laughs) So if you picture a bowling ball barreling down an alley with the sole purpose of trying to knock down as many pins as possible, that's an AMF head. (laughs) Okay. That was a very creative and different description. Right. That was very good, yeah. So uh, an AMF head, uh, it's just a coincidence that some of them actually look like an AMF head, but that's just a coincidence. Uh, An AMF head is a bully that uses their outward aggressive projection as a strategy. Yes. Okay. And because it creates... So much noise. If you imagine that ball knocking down the pins, right? It hides any inward accountability. And they just keep going and they just keep going. And um, that's why we developed the shared leadership model. That's why we talk about workplace improvements. And that's Mm -hmm. why we say we can make a difference. Because when you see that AMF head, okay, you need to try to maybe reach out to that person, put some water on it, right? Do what you can to um, bring that person back so that um, they don't create that smoke, so they don't they don't see what's missing, right? They- yeah, I, you know, I got to disagree with you on that one. 
Right, because I don't think that works. I think that once they start rolling, it's hard to unroll them. So it's something that we talked about last week was you have to really go in a group. You have to close ranks. You have to circle the wagons, right? Because otherwise, when you have that person that's in power that just starts rolling, it's really hard to stop them. You have to do it as a group. You can't really do it as one. You have to do it together. And so everybody has the meeting after the meeting. Um, at the bowling alley. <laughs> at the bowling alley, having some, you know, nickel beers. Oh, that was, that really aged me, nickel yeah. beers. But um, but the meeting after the meeting is time to then close ranks, and everybody goes in together because you're much stronger as a unit. When you try to just go one at a time, the the bowling ball will just knock you down. Yeah, I find AMF heads to be repulsive. Okay, that's okay. good. Okay. Um, and we can do better. So at least now we know what an AMF head is. Yes, everyone is clear. I'm sure that it, it it's they're feeling better about the day. Yeah, that was good. Let's reset. Let us reset. So okay. So again, we're very proud of our guests. Very proud of our content. We have the privilege of meeting ninety something percent of our guests. Yes, we do. Right. Uh, and um, today is no exception. Um, we have a guy who um, I think maybe changed direction, mm-hmm. right? Making a huge impact. There must be a lot going on in that head. Mm-hmm. And we're going to find out a lot more. Okay, so so here we go. We have a special guest today. We have a, an author, and uh, it's a it's a the book is out there, so I don't even want to describe it. We'll wait and we'll learn more about it. No, it's it's really cool. It kind of talks to what's in the news now, but it's fictional, but it's also uses what's happening now. Yeah. Which is cool. Okay, so um, I would love to introduce our very special guest, former CEO, corporate person, and current really cool author and uh, game changer, Michael Dow. Michael, are you with us? I'm here, Charlie. Eva, thanks for having me. <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks for um, joining us, and welcome to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. You know, Michael, we're always impressed with people that write stuff, right? <laughs> um, mostly we get the self-help type books. Yes. Right? Your book is very complicated, uh, and I want to discuss it. Um, why don't you first... And congratulations, by the way, on this um, endeavor. Why don't you first share a little bit about the book and maybe your website so our guys can follow along with you? Sure. The uh, I think you mentioned briefly, I spent about 25 years in corporate America and, and got out and decided to write a work of kind of fiction, a science fiction thriller. It's called Dark Matters. Uh, and it's uh, the, the short version is it's on the website darkmattersbook.com. Uh, all one word, and uh, it's about a, a couple of people who discover what the stuff called dark matter is. I'm, I'm a closet physicist, and I've always been obsessed with kind of, you know, the universe and why we're here and what is this this dark matter stuff was discovered in the 1930s, and here we are almost 100 years later. Still nobody knows what it is. But uh, the story's set in a, and it gets closer and closer every day, but a not-too-distant future future where the uh, the now trillionaires are running the world. Uh, and this group of a few very rich people who've decided that the politicians have screwed everything up and 
can't get it right, and so they're uh, they've taken matters into their own hands, and in their minds, they're they're saving the world. Uh, so it's it's kind of a uh, you know a notionally a story about. Uh, this, this dark matter stuff, but really set in this world where you decide for yourself is, uh, you know, are these uber rich uh, folks the, the good guys or the bad guys? And I tried really mm-hmm. hard to write it from my background and, and knowing a lot of very wealthy, very successful people who, who are good people and, and doing good things. And um, But, you know, at what point is, you know, the wealth and influence and technology that you're going to have in the future, uh, you know, too much and, and, and not something that anybody ever gave you the right to be in charge with? Oh. <laughs> that is... So there you go. There's the short version. It's amazing. How do you connect the two? I mean, you... You spent 25 years in corporate, so that's where you learned a lot about, you know, this idea of these rich people running the asylum, so to speak. Um, I did, and Charlie, I I, got to tell you, I spent spent my first 15 years working at a company called AMS, and that's with an S, although we did have have a handful of AMS at that company as well, so uh, I kind of got to see things from both sides of the spectrum, which really... (laughs) Uh, you know, that's where a lot of the book came from. Unbelievable. And so how do you relate your story as you kind of started to describe it to that closet physics thing of dark matters? How did the two meet? So it's really a, a, a story of, you know, here's a world. It's about 60 years in the future. And like I said, the the they believe we're going to have trillionaires by then. And if you think, you know, you think a million's a lot of money, if you, it's hard to wrap your head around a trillion dollars. A, a million yeah. seconds is like 11 days. A trillion second is, seconds is 31,000 years. It's just, it's hard oh, to wow. imagine that kind of money. So, and then you add in, you know, the kind of influence that you can have with things like Citizens United and being able to buy elections and that whole thing. And then the technology, when computers are going to be faster than human brain, we're going to have robots, we're going to have genetics, and it's just, you're going to have your own personal satellite fleet and communications and all that kind of, you know, it's just the things that could happen. So you have this world where, uh, you know, a handful of folks are really, uh, in their minds, keeping the world afloat, but really running things. And the only thing that uh, could throw a wrench in their plans is this crazy, unbelievable discovery about what dark matter actually is and what that might do uh, to humanity and the world as a whole. So that's kind of how they tie together. I'm going to say it again. Oh, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> um, wait, wait, and say that again about a trillion I was just going to say that. Yeah. Can you just repeat that little Sure. I know. It's, it's, it takes about three times before you even begin to wrap your heads around it. But if you, if you think about money in terms of seconds, a million seconds is about 11 days. We all, we all live through 11 days all the time. Uh, but a tr- and then you go to a billion, but then you go to a trillion, and a trillion seconds is a 31,000 years. It's more than 31,000 years. So it just it gives you a perspective on how much money that is. And, and you know, we say uh, there are, the world has about somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000 billionaires now. Uh, the, you know, the richest claims to be around closing in on 100 billion, although if you watch the Panama Papers over the summer, you might believe that maybe it's, <laughs> it's more than that. Uh, but they say we're going to have a fir- our first trillionaire in, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. And that just, when you think about how much money that is and how much cheaper 
it's getting to buy technology uh, as technology gets more efficient and, and cheaper to purchase. It just the you know thing. I, I love uh, the old yeah. Steve Martin where he says, "How do you become a millionaire and not pay taxes?" Well, it's easy. First, you get a million dollars. Right. <laughs> so you can't to say that with trillion. How do you become a trillionaire? Yeah. Not, well, first you get a trillion dollars. It's just crazy. Right. It is crazy. <laughs> All right. So. So we want to talk more about the book, um, but before we go to break, um, just tell us, Michael, so you're working, this idea is percolating, right? I mean, somewhere you had a tipping point where you say, okay, I'm making the switch, right? I did, and we, uh, I, I, like I said, I worked in corporate America for about 25 years, and um, I did a lot of the latter part of that, uh, aside from running companies, I also did a lot of writing. I wrote a lot of proposals, and uh, although my, okay. my, uh, my competitors would say I'd been writing fiction for decades, um, <laughs> I, I had theoretically been writing nonfiction and, and doing a lot of that, and I was kind of the guy that people would come to and say, we got a, you know, a 5,000-page proposal that's going into the government, and you need to write the five-page executive summary that's going to make them buy our solution. So I, I, I loved writing and I loved kind of telling that was to me, that was telling a story. And so um, I lived in Washington, D.C. through uh, 9-11 and then subsequently the, uh, the the sniper incident. I don't know if you recall that whole thing, but my, my wife informed me that we would not be raising our children in Washington, D.C. So <laughs> we we decided to move to a small town in northern Michigan and raise kids. And then I kind of got into a different kind of lifestyle and slowed things down a bit and decided, you know what, uh, Maybe I can do this writing thing and, and ended up selling my company. And, and then before you know it, I'm, I'm publishing a book and actually the first of a, of a trilogy. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, you know, we talk about, like I said, authors we meet many times. Um, Michael, when your head hits the pillow, based on what I can tell from what you have written, I mean, who knows what goes on in there? I mean, right. you're talking um, – J.K. Rowling's almost, right? I mean, it's sort of because your book is sort of in the future, mm -hmm. seems very, very complicated, right? And I mean, it seems endless because you're saying it's the first of a trilogy. I mean, do you ever run out of thoughts? I mean, how does that work? Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's an ongoing process. And I'll be honest, I did not know, not having written a work of fiction before, I didn't know I had a trilogy in my head until I got, you know, a couple hundred pages in and realized I had barely started. I said, hmm, this is not one book. So, uh, but it does. And my, my secret weapon is actually the shower. I don't know. I have no idea why, but I get it. I get in the shower and, uh, there's all sorts of great ideas, or at least what I'd like to think are great ideas that have, yeah. that have come from the shower. And I, I, less so the pillow and more so just standing in the shower in the morning. So for whatever that's worth, that's where I seem to have my, uh, my big uh, aha moments. Unbelievable. Well, I can say, you know, upon first glance, corporate America is missing out, right? Because they let someone go that has a lot of words, right. which is incredible. Uh, we're going to take our first break, Michael, and we want to come back. And talk more about your book. But I want to say the website again. It's darkmattersbook.com. Guys, you got to check this out. It's unbelievable. We're going to talk more in a minute. Stay with us. Corporate Talk. We'll be right back.
CARE Certification in the Workplace is the award-winning shared leadership training seminar that will revolutionize your career and position you as the go-to person in your organization regardless of your job description. CARE is the acronym for Courage to Take Action Relevant to Everyone. This means your new workplace mission is to deliver results for the good of the company but not at the expense of others. Up until now, CARE certification was only available through company-sponsored seminars. But now you can become CARE certified in the workplace on your own time. Order Module 1 today and begin the transformation. There's unlimited opportunity in the workplace today, provided you have the right strategy. Becoming CARE certified is the right strategy. For more information and to order, go to charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. And now, let's return to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Welcome back, everyone. We're into segment two with our guest today, Michael Dow. Michael is a 25-year veteran of corporate America, and he left it all to move to um, upstate. I think it was upstate. You said Michigan. Yeah, northern Michigan. And um, to write a book, and the book is Dark Matters, and you can learn more about Michael and the book at his website, darkmattersbook.com. And, you know, Michael, I love what you were saying about, you know, getting your best ideas in the shower, because, frankly, that's when I figure out issues is in the shower, too, so you're not Mm -hmm. alone. And I know that there are are many other people that um, use the shower for that as well. But, you know, you're talking about you sold the company and – you got the idea for this book and you decided that, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do that. But having never written fiction, I mean, that's a really daunting task. I mean, how were you able to come up with the idea and then actually, um, you know, put it all together and create the characters and the development and the plot and all the rest? I mean, that's that's amazing without ever having written fiction before. Yeah, it was, it really was a fun process. And, I'll t- and for me, I think it was as much, you know, you're, it, and, and coming from the world of consulting and, and, and supposedly being the expert in the room for, for 25 years and the person people look to for answers, suddenly I'm the dumbest guy in the room, you know, and it was, it was, it was liberating. I went to, I went to conferences. I talked to, I had, luckily I had some college friends who are now, are in the industry and, and writing and successfully published and just, uh, you know, you ask all the questions and you raise your hand and it was really, uh, everybody should go through that, you know, and, and, and go to teaching, you know, get out of teaching road, get into learning mode. Um, at some point, you know, mid to late in their careers, it really is a kind of an eye-opening and liberating experience. But I spent a lot of time just listening and, uh, you know, writing. And then, I, I again, one of my friends was fortunate enough to, to hook me up with a, an editor who had worked in the industry forever. He had edited for, for uh, Stephen King. He edited for Isaac Asimov. He edited for uh, a bunch of well-known authors, and he agreed to edit my book. So that was like a, a crash course in writing. And he spent – I thought I was done – and six months mm. later, you know, here's, yeah. here's the book. So it was, yeah, that was a that was my secret weapon, maybe for book one. And he was really just an, an, an unbelievable asset in helping me understand, um, you know, how to do, you know, how to write and how to write fiction. You know, well, that's amazing because that's a lot of synchronicities, right? That came into play. Um, just being able to hook up with an editor like that is amazing. I mean, most people don't have that opportunity. So it was meant to be your, um, your trilogy was meant to be put into the hands of people for them to read. And when you, um, 
when you came up with the idea for the book, so let's talk about the book a little bit. You know, it's it's set in the future. It, is there a message or a lesson behind it, or is it just in your mind, just you started writing it, just, just purely fiction? No, there's definitely a, a, a story and a message behind it. It really, Like I said, I've had this story has been bouncing around in my head for I've probably 10-plus years, and it's really mm-hmm. this – I've like I said, been a closet kind of astronomer and, and physicist and always wondered, you know, why the ultimate question to me is, why are we here? You know, how in the world did humanity come to be and, and where are we headed and what's this universe really all about? And this whole search for dark matter and this thing that Fritz Zwicky discovered in the 1930s and, and makes up two-thirds of the universe and we still have absolutely no idea what it is and keep looking for it in all these weird places and can't find it. And, you know, what if... It turned out to be something entirely under, unexpected, which is why we can't find it anywhere. And what if that had enormous implications for humanity and our world? And uh, what might that do to a world that's kind of, you know, where climate change and overpopulation and th- things kind of teetering on the brink? What might happen uh, if something like that were to occur right at that same moment? So that had kind of been, you know, now uh, the fact that billionaires or trillionaires might be running the world and the fact that my story opens with a, you know, with a, a, a big brouhaha from a, from a really rich guy trying to steal an election. I, that, I, I started that four years ago and had absolutely no idea that sometimes truth is stranger than fiction. So I, that, that, was a, that was coincidental only. So, um, but that's, really, that's where it all came from was that, that really that dark matter thing that I had going around in my head. Wow. I mean, that you know what? That's pretty amazing that you came up with that four years ago, right? Because it's almost, um, it's like you had a little bit of a psychic thing going on. Yeah, and, although mine was mine was a senator in California instead of the presidency, so I real I was I shot too low, I guess. I didn't really think big enough in that particular case. Right, but still, I mean, you know, you you kind of put it out there, and so mm-hmm. as you were as you were. I know you had this whole thing percolating in your mind for 10 years. Were you taking notes throughout those 10 years or, or was it just in the back of your head? And then when you started writing, it all just started coming out. I think I probably took notes 20 times and probably lost 19 sets of the notes. So, uh, wow. in my usual way. So no, it was, um, it's just something that, that bounced around. And I remember after, uh, you know, telling the company and talking to my wife about, she said, and I had signed a non-compete, you know, when I, when I left the company and she said, okay, you've got, you know, you have, what are you going to do with your two years? <laughs> well, will you let me write a book? And she said, okay, you get, this is what you get. You're going to give it a shot and we'll see what happens. So, um, and it's been a great ride. I mean, I really, uh, it's just such a different industry. You know, I, you can barely, you walk into corporate boardrooms, you can barely shake hands without signing non-disclosures. And yet in the, in the publishing world, you, you ship a complete stranger your, you know, your 100,000 word manual to someone, you know, manuscript that to someone you've never met before and just say, here you go. Hope you like it. So <laughs> it's, it is, it's a very different world in the publishing. And I, I've really enjoyed getting to know it. Yeah. And, you know, um, you're right. I had never thought of it in those terms before that you're taking, you're taking your baby mm-hmm. and shipping yeah. it to someone and a, what are they going to do with it? And, B, are they going to then, you know, take parts of it and copy it or, or, you know, how do you protect yourself? And, and I hear you. I mean, that must have been really tough. But to me, I think the toughest part would be day one sitting down at your laptop and starting to write. I, that to me, I would have found daunting. I mean, was it, is that how you did it or did you first start going to conferences and then you started writing? 
It was a little bit of both. It was kind of in parallel. But I tell you, even, you know, sitting down this morning and starting to write was it's just, you know, it's not the, you know, the 8 a.m. staff meeting followed by the 8.30 customer call followed by, you mm-hmm. know, if there's not that kind of corporate pace to writing. Mm-hmm. And so it is. I, here I am, what, three years later, I still have trouble just sitting down and writing because it's, oh, wait, one more, maybe I'll get another cup of coffee. Oh, no, wait, yeah. maybe I'll go, yeah. you know, so it is, it's, it's a challenge. And I still struggle with that a little bit and try to put structure to it sometimes. And then you realize, wait, I put structure to it and that defeats the whole creative. So you can't have that kind of structure. So it's a, it's a right. balancing act. Um, really you know, I don't know if you've read any St- Stephen Pressfield, but he talks about, you know, the whole, writing and the challenge of writing. And he wrote a book called The War of Art. And it was all about writing. And because he had been a writer since he was young, but he said, you know, he did a million different things except write. Um, and he talks about, you know, kind of beating up against the wall of resistance. Anytime you try to do anything huge, you come up against resistance. And, and it talks about, he talks about that, about waiting for the muse to hit. And I, to me, that is even when I write my blog, sometimes that is just so daunting. You know, you've got this blank page in front of you and you can't do the corporate thing with it because the creativity doesn't flow. It's not until you you put the idea out there and then step in the shower and then suddenly go, oh, yeah, but now I'm in the shower and I can't mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't typewrite at this moment. I hope I remember yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah, I was also I, lo- I also lucked into my editor recommended reading uh, Stephen King's memoir, which is called On Writing, and uh, mm. that, I'll, I'll plug his book here real quick. That was a, that was great, just as another, just to see here's what you know an incredibly successful writer has to say about the whole craft, and to include in the back of that book, he has handwritten. He shows you his first draft, and then handwritten markups as to what here. This was stupid. I crossed this out. This note. This didn't work for this reason. It was just. It, it, it almost legitimized, I'm like, oh, okay, that's okay. If he, if Stephen King yeah. does that and writes something stupid and then changes it, it's okay for me to write stuff down like that. And then, so it was really uh, um, that helped me a lot as well. And I and a lot and I read, you know, a lot of my 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 Kindle was hard at it and and the bookstore trips and picking up things to read about the topic as well. So, well, and I think it's so cool that you know you took your career, your other career, and then you went into this whole other different direction. And how fun is that? I mean, so many people don't allow themselves to do that. And I just think that that is what it's all about. You know, you work at one thing and then you try something completely new and then you give it your all there well, like too. He, he I mean, shifts it to learning. Yeah, it's right. really fun, right? I mean, really that's is, what makes I- it fun. It, it is, and I and I like I said, I you know I came from this world where you really it was not in your best interest to be anything other than the expert with all the answers, and to 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 utter those three famous words, I don't know, you just you don't do that. I mean, you're you're the consultant, you're the expert, so um, it takes a more. And I you know I still see people occasionally and tell them you should try this, you should try this. It really um, it's it's you know terrifying at first, but I tell you it is so liberating to to be able to let go of that and just you know learn and be in learning mode and, and, and do something new and different and, and uh, open yourself up to that. It's been, it's been just an incredible ride. Well, and you're learning from the best, right? It's not like you were just kind of learning from people that were writing here and there. I mean, you went to have the Stephen King's editor. I mean, that's amazing. Well, <laughs> that's amazing. Also, I, I mean, talk I about this, learning from, yeah. from the top. I agree. And, 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 and just this day and age, I, you know, I try to imagine, 
you know, being Ernest Hemingway or being Faulkner or some of these, you know, people who wrote pre-internet. And pre- there is just, you know, I sit and do my research. You know, I, if I want to put uh, a scene in a book in Singapore, I usually try to work somewhere that I've been before. But if some, for some reason, you've got to be, you can go on Google and walk down the street in that town and, you know, experience, it's obviously not the same as being there, but it's certainly a heck of a lot different than uh, a writer from even 50 years ago could have done. So just the, 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 the sources and the, and the research and the availability of information today is, it really, um, if you're willing to make that investment, it's, it's a huge difference. So I, I admire, really admire the writers who, you know, did this, you know, from, from paper and pencil and their imaginations and, and without the Internet from not so long ago. Yeah, I mean it is amazing when you think about it, right? And then they used to then they used to just all hang out and drink. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, that <laughs> which, was that, which that, is that uh, helps one of the things now with the internet, we don't have to go hang out with them, but that would have been really fun too. This is just a different way. And the books were some of Hemingway's books are pretty short. <laughs> I'm thinking we have to start including Michael in that loop. Which loop? And, you know, these these authors, these well-known famous guys. I mean, this book is up there. No, it's up there. And just the synchronicities, like I said before, of the people that you were able to meet to help you along the path just shows that you definitely hooked into the right new occupation for yourself, mm-hmm. that it was yeah. not a coincidence that all that thought that for 10 years before you actually sat down to write the book, it was there for a reason and you did the right thing. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go ahead and take our second break. Stay with us, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and our guest today is author Michael Dow. We'll be right back. Let Charlie Labosco show you how to revolutionize your presence in the workplace. Charlie is looking to improve the workplace, and by that he means your relevance in it. Charlie has over 40 years in the corporate workplace. He has seen the unbelievable, mind-boggling, off-the-charts changes in technology, but no real change in our day-to-day and sometimes toxic workplace behavior. Charlie's mission is to revolutionize the workplace by providing the training and the tools needed to lead any organization regardless of your job description. For more about Charlie and how to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, visit charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. Let's get back to Charlie and Eva for more corporate talk on Talk Zone. Wow, we're back um, with our special guest, author Michael Dow, and his book is the first of a trilogy, and it's titled Dark Matters. It's very complicated, but very um, adventurous and exciting, and um, a, a view into uh, the future, as Michael tries to write about. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can get that book at darkmattersbook.com. Can we get the book from the website, Michael? You can. There's a uh, there's a link to clink. You can get it at, at bookstores, but also particularly independent bookstores. But it's on Amazon. You can, there's a paperback, hardback, and the and Kindle version as well. You can also get the first 50 pages are free if you sign up for my newsletter. So you can read the first 50 pages from my website and uh, and go from there and then pick it up if you like it. Unbelievable. Um you know, let's see, where do I begin here? So you had mentioned uh, about the trillionaires of running the world of buying an election and how, to some degree, it seems coincidental, right, for 
the election, which you had no idea, which is really cool. And, and you started writing this when? Uh, 2012, 2013. So really 2013. Excellent. So, all right. So that said, and it's the first of a trilogy. So what, a, what is the possible coincidence that might be in front of us down the road from book two? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And, uh, there, the, the saga continues, obviously. And there's, uh, there are other, <laughs> we'll, we'll have to see. And you, I guess you can say you, you, uh, you heard it here first, but one of the, the, the significant things uh, going on in the book, I also picked the year 2075 because to me, that was about when, um, I, I considered perhaps the, 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 kind of the setting, the sunsetting of the really the peak of the information age, and we'd be moving into the space age. So if we had, you know, about a 200-year industrial age and there's about a 100-year uh, information or, or uh, you know, Internet age, that I think the space age is coming. And so a good chunk of the second and third book uh, takes place in space, and there are space hotels, and there's, a, uh, you know, an asteroid that plays uh, heavily into the asteroid mining, and we're getting all our resources now from asteroids because we've kind of wiped out the Earth. So, um, so maybe you could take that as, as the next possibility, as we says uh, Elon Musk and some of these others are out uh, there Michael, with SpaceX. Michael, starting to uh, concern me a little space. bit here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so we'll Michael, see. when you came up with these ideas, I mean, is this based in some readings that you've done, that you've done some research on it, or, or was this completely pulled from your own imagination? Uh, it's, it's a mix, and I, and I, I had the fortune of meeting, jeez, uh, a couple years ago now, maybe a year or two ago, a guy by the name of James Rollins who writes the Sigma series is a pretty well-known kind of thriller writer, and talked to him a bunch about, you know, where he gets his ideas from, and, and he actually told me, you know, you need subscribe to a bunch of magazines and read a bunch of websites and just, you know, you never know where the next great idea is going to come from. So uh, He's going to get them from you now. Well, he's, he, I don't know if he's going to need them from me. He sold about 30 million books and counting, so he's doing pretty well on his own. So, probably um, needs- James is, uh, but uh, he does, he said, you know, popular science, popular mechanics, uh, astrology, astronomy magazine is one of my favorites. Uh, just, uh, there's a, there are websites on future, you know, futurists and those guys. So there's just an enormous amount of, and you kind of combine that with your own, you know, here's what I think's going to happen. And, and sometimes, like I said, then in the shower, magic happens. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. Um, okay. So, um, it's so a- wait, I, I have a question. So on a typical day, and I know that each day is not typical because that's part of the creative process. Would you say you spend more time writing or researching? That's a great question. And, uh, I'll be honest, it's all over the map. There are days mm-hmm. when I've, there are days I spend an entire day just researching. And, uh, like, you know, when I try to figure out how we're going to, you know, how we're going to mass produce people going to space hotels in the future, how do you get up there in a cost effective manner? So that took me, I didn't write for days until I figured that out. And then all of a sudden, boom, then you write. Usually it's a, it's a balance because you all write and I like inserting little tidbits into stories where one of the things I got from my editor was, you know, in this future world, it's amazing how much of the future you can expose in just a couple of words. Um, they said, you know, try to do that all the time where you say, um, like in the first book, one of the characters, they're talking about um, having a conversation and she says, oh, you know, that's, that's, a, uh, that's an oxymoron like Glacier National Park. So, you know, in just a few words, 
you're kind of implying that, oh, wait, climate change, and maybe there aren't glaciers in Glacier National Park, and what does that mean? And, oh, I get it. So it's doing those kinds of things I think is kind of fun and just so how can you, you know, convey a ton of information in just a few words is, is, is part of what I'm trying to, to, to achieve after the research is done. Wow. Um, so did we ever get past our uh, love for cars, by the way? Which cars? Um, well, I mean, so the car industry is almost 100 years old. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, there's a whole – I don't want to spoil all that, the stories in the book, but there's, <laughs> uh, there's uh, not as much as you might guess in the next 60 years. And I thought a lot – I'm like, how do people get around? These are the things, you know, you're like, okay, here I've gone and said a story 60 years in the future. And then you realize, well, I can't just have them jump in a car and I can't just have them pick up the cell phone. What's that? You know, and it's like every time you turn around, the most mundane little things – well, what's that going to be like in 2075? So I did a lot, and that was a lot of what went into the early research of the book. And what's that, you know? And this, gonna, and some things I decided maybe be a little farther along. Some things maybe a little less so. Mm. And, and to be honest, occasionally that was more for the story and the pace of the story than it was, for, you know, possibly because that was the uh, what I really think about the technology. But occasionally it's like, okay, if you if you eliminate cars entirely. Um, it makes it hard. I just it, it made the storytelling too difficult. So. <laughs> yeah, we'd have to reverse the uh, Joni Mitchell, right? They unpaved yeah. parking lots and put in a paradise. And put in a paradise. <laughs> right. Yeah, that, unfortunately, um, this one wasn't. Uh, it, you can decide for yourself whether this is dystopian or utopian. But uh, well, you know, I don't want to make light of it, and I may. But you know, you put together some incredible stuff here. This is a this is a masterpiece. You know, I, I have a question for you that just kind of came to me at this moment. So while you were writing all this, you kind of putting yourself out into the future, did you find it hard to come back to real time? Uh eh, maybe occasionally, but not I got I I, I have uh I have a couple of teenage girls who tend to keep me in the real world uh, pretty <laughs> on a pretty regular basis, and so uh, yeah, I'm, I finish writing and then it's off to travel soccer practice or golf tournaments or whatever, you know. So it's uh, yeah. I get back to the real world pretty quickly on a daily basis. So it's like, okay, George Jetson, it's yeah. time to uh, get off the treadmill and come back yeah, to exactly. come back yeah, down. <laughs> Um, That's funny, and I, I, I enjoy those kind of references. In fact, uh, the, the the robot housemaid for the main character, her name is Rosie. So I oh, that's great. You get that reference. <laughs> this is incredible. I mean, it really is. You Because I can tell, talking to you, I mean, there's a lot of intelligence in here, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm excited about um, learning more, right? DocMattersBook.com, everybody can get a little introduction to what's happening. It's really exciting. I mean, I everybody just go there and, and start your journey with Michael, right? Just see what this is um, all about. I mean, I love it. Um, you know, I want to ask so many things like um, where are the population hotspots? But you know what? Get the book, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. What, are, what are the new technologies? Well, you know what? So this is exciting. I mean, I have, right. I have stuff I can't wait, right? So this is good, Michael. Um, but just on another note, right, I want to ask, um, have you made progress at all on your initial um, quest of why are we here? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I really, um, I have, I have my own, I have my opinions on that, which is as much the genesis of the book as anything. And 
I hope people do read the complete trilogy to find out my opinion on that topic. But it certainly has evolved pretty uh, substantially in the writing of this book where I, I, I wouldn't say maybe superficial, but in being forced to turn you know, my thoughts on, you know, humanity and why we're here and where we're headed into, you know, three or four hundred thousand words on that topic. Uh, it requires you to go a little bit <laughs> deeper than you might yeah. in the shower, just, you know, hanging out and getting ready for your day. So, yeah, it's uh, there's been a lot of that. And it's like I said, it's been a, an, an amazing ride. And I hope um, some people will come along with me and, and, and see what that looks like. Uh. Um, and so this trilogy, where do we stand with the trilogy? Is book two in progress? Book, book two is, is on the, the – I'm waiting for the cover art to come back, and I'm hoping uh, it will be out before the end of the year. There's, there's These publication dates I found out with the first book are always a little uh, slippery, but um, pulling all the pieces together. But, yeah, the book two is finished, and, uh, you know, editing is wrapping up and just waiting for – uh, covers and public, you know, all the details that the publishing industry loves to deal with. And then uh, well, I have already begun writing book three. So book three is well underway as well. So I hope uh, book three comes out next year. Um, so that there's like a sense of urgency now that that means that yeah, now we have really, to get Doc Matters with, right away yeah, with, so that we can be ready done, for I, book two. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's a little bit of the, you know, the, 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 uh, the rock has rolled off the precipice and started down the hill and the momentum is building. So I can feel the, you know, I can see that finish line down at the bottom of the hill and I'm trying, I'm really, uh, I, I'm trying to keep the pace up. Ah, you must be uh, so excited. How do you know when to end one and when to start the next book? Yeah, it's a great question, and I, uh, I, I, I will say that although I, I love the ending of the first book, it, you, there are those, it's kind of like, did you love the end of Sopranos, or did you love the end of, you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of a, it, it may not be for everyone, and it was a bit of a, uh, a surprise and a shock, and I think uh, maybe even abrupt would be a good word, so I know people, there are a lot, the, the comment I get most often with book one is, oh my God, I loved it, when is book two coming, you know, how could you have that ending, and when can I read book two, so... Um, it's 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 coming soon. I think that there's a little bit more of a um, a typical book two ending in book two, and then I'm but I'm super excited about really finishing thing off in book three. So yeah, because I didn't have a trilogy in my mind when I started, it was there was a little bit of finagling to create uh, you know natural breakpoints in the three books, and I and it worked for me. I you know like you said, nobody nobody's ever going to agree on. Um, the kind of endings you like, or, you know, the, the Bob Newhart, the whole thing was a dream mm-hmm. ending versus the, the Sopranos. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, oh, my God, what was about to just happen ending? So um, that's everybody to decide. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it was a fun process to figure out. That's unbelievable. And um, do you ever have idle thought downtime? Oh, well, I do. I, uh, you know, I got lots of other stuff going on. We're, uh, like I said, with with uh, keeping my, keeping an eye on two teenage girls is is almost a full time job, and I've got my. Uh, and you think, you know, I've switched careers once, but my uh, I, I learned this all from my wife, who started her career as a pastry chef, and then became an IT consultant, and then decided to go into personal training, and is now a nutritionist <laughs> and personal coach. So she, nice. I'm never going to catch up with her in terms of uh, career changes and just where <laughs> her head is. But it'll be like, oh, so it's in the family. Oh, God, the kids, they yeah, must so be. She, yeah, she makes pastries and then she tells you how to work it off and, and, and you know, talk about a 30 year, you know, strategy around building a, a sustainable career. That was her plan. So she could build a website around it too. Then. Yeah. yeah. Well, 
So, you know, you're sitting around on a Sunday afternoon with some down, idle downtime, and then all of a sudden, but wait, I think I can get Rosie a little more power in her <laughs> battery pack if I just tweak the lithium cell. You know, I mean, does that happen? Yeah, and that's why you carry a notebook around, which I, you know, advice I've gotten from many, many people. And I, I've got a little, I got a little book. Actually, my youngest daughter gave it to me. The, uh, and the first page of which has her, she wrote, what, four years ago? Dad, here's what your book should be about. And she wrote this paragraph. I'm going to keep forever, but it's this cute little paragraph about a bunch, how a bunch of orphans landed on a desert island and, and have to save the world. And so that book has become my notes for, uh, or, you know, that I just write in wherever I go. That's so. really cool. That <laughs> is. I mean, I'm I'm riveted with this conversation. Right. Um, it really is something, um, and I didn't expect it. So this has been great. But we have one more segment. We're not done. We're going to take our last break. Please stay with us. Corporate Talk with Charlie, Eva, and our very special guest, famous author Michael Dow. We'll be right back. Charlie Labosco is an author, speaker, and trainer with over 40 years' experience in the corporate workplace. Contact Charlie today to interact, influence, and inspire others in your organization. Whether it's a one-hour keynote presentation or a five-day training seminar, Charlie is available to speak on many topics, including making a difference in the workplace, even as one person, building shared leadership teams, and his signature award-winning seminar, Care Certification in the Workplace. Charlie speaking at your organization will make a difference on day one. For more information and to book Charlie, go to charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. Welcome back to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Thanks, everyone, for hanging out with us today. What a great conversation we've been having with Michael Dow. He's the author of Dark Matters. And you can learn more about Michael and his book at darkmattersbook.com. You can also sign up for the for his newsletter, and you can get the first 50 pages for free. So you can check it out that way. It's also available on Amazon. You can also get it off the website. And so, Michael, outside of the book, right, so you're doing all this research and you're getting into your stuff, and not so much around the book, but as you've been researching all of this, are you feeling positive for the future or negative for the future? Yeah, you know, another great question, Eva. It's uh, I, I tend to be very schizophrenic on that topic. Like when I <laughs> when I sit and watch last night's debate, not so much. <laughs> when, <laughs> right. when I sit and read about the potential for fusion power and how we might be able to, you know, use helium three from the moon, and you know, then suddenly I'm excited again. But boy, it is a uh, I don't even know what the right word is anymore. It's a schizophrenic time. I, I yeah, it's, I, I alternate between you know, which is you know part of what I like about the book. It's it, it lets you think about these kinds of things in a, in a, a little bit more thought-provoking way. And it's also, to me, you know, there, there, this whole income inequality conversation, which is where mm. this began, and the fact that it's not so much, you know, the, 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 what, the richest 1%, this thing the media has recreated. It's not about the 1% to me. It's about this ha- a handful of people just having too much money, too much power, and, and what comes of that, and it, it, it really – to me just, uh, you know, was something I wanted to shed a light on in a way that could be entertaining and thought-provoking. You know, we, we're a world of 
We're no longer the world of Walter Cronkite. We're the world of Bill Maher. You know, people want their their information in a more entertaining way. And so, you know, I've read the Ph.D. treatises on income inequality, and, and I'll tell you, they're they're amazing. They're also almost as hard to digest as, you know, uh, Stephen Hawking's Brief History of Time, which I've read 17 times and still can't get all the way through before I'm, See, I'm telling you, he, so. this guy, he's got it. Michael, can I interrupt and ask you, do we live sure. longer? Uh, yes. <laughs> with, <laughs> with, some cab- with some caveats, though. That's another one of the conversations or, or the, the topics. Um, yeah, you get into all these kind of things as you read. And then, ge- you know, where is genetics headed and what's going to happen with that? There's some interesting, um, you know, realities around, you know, how far should we go and with, with messing with our DNA. And that's going to come up in the next 50 or 60 years, if not sooner. So, yeah, that all of that. Um, comes into play, so it's uh, it, it it really, but it is a a, a way for uh, people to think about these. Oh, I boy, I never thought about combining A with B and C. You know, money mm-hmm. and genetics and technology. Wow, that could and happen. Sports. I never thought of that. So, what do I think of that? And if I think something about that, what should I be doing today to you know impact that a little differently? So that's the kind of thing I love it when people say that. You know, come back and say, oh, you know, your book made me think this a little differently. So that's. That's the goal. The questions you must have asked growing up, I could just imagine. <laughs> yeah, I think what's become abundantly clear is that um, Michael is a brainiac. I mean, we know this, right? And but, uh, he's well, a, he's I've, a I've been I've been very lucky to, to hang out. I, you know, when I was in the corporate world, I my favorite thing was to hire people smarter than me because. Uh, you know, that's how you learn. You you work with people who are even smarter than you. And believe me, there are plenty of those. I've been, had the good fortune to work with some very, very talented and intelligent folks in, in corporate America, and they taught me a lot, and, and not just, uh, you know, how to, you know, stand up and give speeches, mm-hmm. but how to how to think and how to, how to you know, really work through these kinds of things. So I really, uh, I, I owe a lot of that to, to the folks I've come across in 20-plus years of, of working in, you know, kind of the real world, so to speak. <laughs> No, it's amazing. And and, um, I love the fact that you've taken that knowledge and your other passions and then put it put this in the book and then put all of your thought, creativity and skill to make us think about the future in a different way that we might not have thought about. And there's so much out there. So even though we might have gotten depressed after watching the debates last night, you still, it's exciting to think about what could be. So, yeah, you know, you get technology in the wrong hands and it could go one way. But, wow, what if it went another way? And, you know, it became amazing. So there's two ways of looking at everything. And I just love the fact that you're taking this and exploring it with just everything you've got. You know, you you were able to sell your company and and really dive in with both boots, not give it just half the time or a third yeah, of the time. Yeah, we're really um, lucky, grateful, and appreciative that you put all this time, effort, and respect into this product because right. I think it's uh, definitely something that we all can enjoy. So, you know, I have a question for you. Outside of, like, reading your books, like, if someone wants to dabble in what the future holds, and I know that you were talking a little bit about um, some publications but maybe there's something in your blog or somewhere else like where can people start to look to start thinking about like what's coming up in the future? Because I think a lot of people don't even know. Like, oh, like he said about the moon. We can get what did you say before? We can get something from the moon. 
Yeah, where so do you get uh, yeah, If we're going to make fusion power work, there's we're going to need well that you can. There's ways to do it with water, but helium three becomes a key ingredient, and there's actually a ton of it on the moon. So I, I, my 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 take is that um, that one of the early things we're going to want to get going on up on the moon is is the mining of helium three, among other things. So um, all that kind of stuff, I tell you, you can find. You know, you just uh, you know Google the future. There are you know there are websites dedicated to uh, groups of futurists and folks who. Um, just, you know, pause it and, and talk about, you know, what might be. And um, you can find, you know, you can find the climate change fanatics on one futurist site. You can find the, you know, the, pol- yeah. the political leanings on another. You know, you, you can find whatever flavor you'd like to um, and read about. And there are, you know, there are futurists out there who maintain their own blogs and talk about, you know, what might. And then just the companies themselves are the guys like the Elon Musks and the, and the out there mm-hmm. doing it, you know, creating SpaceX, doing you know Tesla doing you know these the the planetary resources and asteroid mining that's already beginning to happen um that if you you know if you're not paying attention you wouldn't notice but I tell you if you if you subscribe to planetary resources and their their regular uh newsletters you'd be amazed at how far we are in sending you know uh, spectroscopes into space and and starting to look at and understanding the makeup of asteroids and how we might use them and what it would be used for it's re- it's fascinating so with that all that in front of us, um, it almost seems like the best time ever in the future to be a have-not because there's so much opportunity. So how does how does doesn't that uh, help the have-nots? Yeah, that's, that's another great question. So on the one hand, you've got all this, this ubiquitous technology, but on the other hand, it's not so much how wealthy people get. It's the gap between, you know, what does it take to become rich? And in a world where, you know, in one career, you know, I graduated from college with without two nickels to rub together. And I'm, uh, I was very fortunate to find a career and be able to do some things where you could be successful. What I worry about the most is a world where kind of, you know, getting to that level of success becomes impossible in one person's lifetime, just through hard work, you know, without some crazy lottery winning or, or just fortune that doesn't fall on everyone. So it's the gap, you know, it's the size of that income gap. And, and when, you know, the haves are just so far, you know, m- many generations ahead in terms of yeah. uh, how much money they have, then you just, how do you get there from here? And one of the characters, the PhD physicist actually says, you know, the, you know, co- first college became the new high school and now masters become the new college. By the time yeah. he graduated with his PhD in physics, he's like, we're a dime a dozen and I can't make a living as a PhD in physics. And um, what does that say? So th- those kinds of things are what worry me the most. Probably. Another well thought out uh, prophecy right there. Right now. Yeah, that's terrific. Well, Michael, thank you so much. I mean, what a pleasure talking to you today and talking about your book. It's been really fun. It's been unbelievable, and you did a fantastic job, and uh, I'm so happy to have met you, and I can't wait to dive in. Great. Well, I appreciate the time, and I'd I'd, uh, love to come back when book two is released, and we can talk a little bit more about uh, the the reality, whatever whatever I discover in the writing of that one and finishing of that one and on to book three. So, yeah. Excellent. And any questions we have from book one. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'd I'd love to come back. So thanks again for the invitation. I appreciate the time. It's been a fantastic ride. Thank you, Michael. Take care. Thank you. Have a great night. So again, everyone, it's Michael Dow. The book is Dark Matters, and you can learn more about Michael and the book at darkmattersbook.com, and you can get the book on Amazon and off the website, and also sign up for the um, newsletter and the blog so that you can get the first 50 pages for free. Right. Do that right now.
Yeah, so and it was terrific, right? That was really, really good. Yes. Yeah, it was really good. So thanks, everyone. Have a great week. And this is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Bye, guys. Bye.